In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Camp. We are back, uh, unexpectedly back, but uh, plenty to get to here, Jesse. It's been a interesting couple of days since the last time we did a show essentially right after we got done recording uh things started to pop off for wisconsin and recruiting and obviously not in what most would consider a positive way uh, robert booker um announces that he is uh, decommitting eventually commits to ucla and then uh, vernon woodward flips his commitment from wisconsin to illinois there was some positive news in the 2025 class uh they have their first commit it is a familiar name the brother of current Wisconsin quarterback Braden Locke, Landon Locke, committed to the Badgers on Thursday. I caught up with him, that interview coming up here uh, a little bit later in the show. I know you also had a, ta- a chance to talk to him and his dad and his coach, and so we'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit. But I thought we'd start with uh, what is newest, and that is um, your opportunity to chat with Luke Fickle one-on-one on Thursday morning. It's a situation that you don't always get. Uh, in the middle of June, but certainly there was uh, something that he wanted to talk about, and that was maybe some of the um, in-state recruiting that that people have been a little bit concerned about. And I think that's where where, uh, we'll start. Overall, there are a few quotes of his, Jesse, that stood out to me when I read your piece up on The Athletic. I'll I'll ask about those later, but I wanted first to let you have an opportunity to um, tell us just kind of the vibe that you got from Luke Fickle um, as you had a chance to talk to him. Sure. Well, we went two whole days without a show and it feels like two weeks. So much, <laughs> so much happened. Um, yeah, obviously, Luke and, and his staff, they are well aware of what's going on and the perceptions that people may have about the program and in-state recruiting. And I think that is kind of where we start here with Fickle wanting to talk about where things stand on the heels of Booker decommitting. And obviously on Saturday, Nathan Roy, the top rated player in the state committing to Minnesota and the thing that he most wanted to stress and I think perhaps help Badgers fans who are worried when they only see the names and the rankings is this that just because recruiting in Wisconsin in his first year hasn't yielded the desired results doesn't mean he and his staff are going to stop pursuing the best players in the state that is something that he reiterated over and over and and to him it's It's you've got to go and recruit the right type of players. And more than that, they're not looking at what rival says or 24 seven or what a composite rating may say about who's ranked where they've got to make their own evaluations. And he said, we've, we've got to continue to understand that there are good football players here and that we've got to get them. We just have to figure out the right ones. So I think that's the number one thing here. And obviously under NCAA rules, Luke can't talk about specific recruits before they sign but I can. (laughs) And obviously covering these guys and talking to them, I think it's important to provide some context, which is the context that you and I have been discussing here for months on some of these guys. But I'll reiterate it again, just for the listeners. Yes, Wisconsin won't be signing based on the way things are and with commitments. Any of the top five rated players in the state, they've got two commits in the class for 2024. But as we've talked about, we know that Corey Smith and Donovan Harvard didn't receive offers from this coaching staff based on fit. We know that Garrett Sexton was a late offer, not a plan A guy. Uh, they offered 
two days before he ended up committing to Penn State and and they had other people on their board um now you could debate well why did you offer at all um but you had an in-state kid and there was some potential there but again I I don't I don't look at those as as significant misses especially when you didn't offer a couple of those guys the Rob Booker situation it's it's unique no doubt about it and I know we'll get into it because I had a chance to talk to him but uh just at the top I think what's noteworthy is even in his conversation with me he talked about the fact that he wanted to go somewhere where he could be the only tight end and Wisconsin already had Grant Stack in the class he's a top 10 tight end in the country legitimately his athleticism is ridiculous and frankly I think the Badgers are just fine having one tight end given that it's Grant um certainly you know Rob was committed they would have taken Rob but they've got Grant um I think the one out of the top five that this staff certainly would have wanted is Nathan Roy and the circumstances are unique, right? Because we talked about in the last show, not an in-state kid originally, a West Coast kid just moved here two years ago, felt he had a better relationship with the offensive line coach at Minnesota who offered him three months before Luke Fickle and his staff even got here. So I think there's there's context with the in-state recruiting, but I think the overarching point is that Luke wants to stress that, that this is not going to change in terms of how they try to develop relationships, how they try to get guys. He thinks that there is championship level talent here or guys that can help them win a championship but um it is a process and you're not going to accomplish it all in seven months so there's been a big thing we talked about the other day the 300 mile radius or the 350 mile radius around wisconsin and in in that that thing that he talked about when he got hired and talked about a number of different times it sounded like his tune is changing a little bit on it Specifically, I think because he, you know, he said that at Cincinnati they went seventy-five percent of their kids in the three hundred mile radius, right? And that he thought that it was majority going to be that way at Wisconsin. This quote from him saying, "I think the thing that I didn't realize was how powerful the logo, the brand is." That caught me off a little, a little off guard because I thought he did know Wisconsin. I thought he well, did know. I thought he did know what this program was, and that you know, obviously they've recruited Philadelphia or Pennsylvania well in their history. They've recruited Ohio well in their history. They've recruited the East Coast well in their history. They've recruited Florida well in their history. So it's not like those places are new at all. So that that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I think it's more how successful, how like how quickly and how successful they've been in some of these areas. It's not that they haven't been before. And, and he studied it. And when we were having our conversation, he was talking about how traditionally he's, I mean, he, he clearly looked at what even going back to Barry Alvarez, what, what they did in terms of how many guys they got in the state. And I mean, I couldn't include everything in the conversation in the story. And I do hope to kind of do a follow-up more with just having some time to process this conversation and, and put my thoughts in and some other quotes that, that he talked about that when you looked at some years with Barry in the state, Maybe there'd be a year with with two, with seven. So there was some variance. Um, but he knew that, I mean, he even specifically mentioned, mentioned um, Tarek Sala, like East Coast guys that they had success with recruiting. But they've got three commits so far from Pennsylvania. That's the most they've had since 2002. Obviously, they've got uh, one from New York, one from New Jersey, and they've got seven East Coast players who have taken official visits that are still on the board. And I, I would fully expect Wisconsin to to add to what they have on the East coast. So um, I think it's more, he knew that it was a part of the success, but just how much success they've had so quickly has been eye opening to him. And if you look at the 14 publicly committed prospects at this stage in the 2024 class, only four of them fall into that 350 mile radius, 
with Derek Jensen and Landon Gothier, the two in-state kids, Grant Steck, who I mentioned from Illinois, and then wide receiver Kyan Barry Johnson, another Illinois kid, it doesn't mean that they're going to abandon that philosophy. And he said right from the top, it starts with in-state, then it goes to the radius, and then you have to extend out a little bit. Um, I just think it's more that because of the success they're having and because, frankly, the recruiting areas that this staff has ties to, you've got to be able to take advantage of that. Um, he said this was this was not the plan in terms of what the ratio is right now, but he's still learning about where they can be strong. And he also stressed over time, he's got to find out if these guys are panning out. So let's say they have a bunch of guys from the East coast and it doesn't work out. You may have to reassess. I think this is all part of a feeling out process for him, but I, I understand where you're coming from with the quote. I, I look at it more as in reference to not that he wasn't aware that Wisconsin had a national recruiting reach, but sort of the way things have played out in this first cycle has been a little bit eye-opening to him, if that makes sense. For sure. Um, the, there were a couple other ones uh, in, in talking about in-state recruiting and, and mm. building relationships with coaches and going to the high schools, not just when they have a player, but whenever, you know, in every cycle, you're, you're there and you're in the building and you, and you build relationships there. But also noted that maybe the high school coaches don't have as big of an impact on yeah. players now as they did in past years, you know, you look at that, that, that's certainly the case in basketball. And he mentioned that with AAU and we, we know that is uh, having covered Wisconsin basketball. There are certain programs that are friendly to Wisconsin and there are certain programs that are not friendly to Wisconsin, even within the state. Um, do you think that he is, is kind of like rethinking that how you exactly build relationships and how much of those relationships actually actually matter and what matters if, if those relationships don't matter with coaches, what do matter? Well, I, I've asked him a follow up about that of like, OK, so if you if, if you feel that way in terms of it, maybe it's harder for the coaches to have that relationship with the kids or the influence and what do you do? And it was more like, you know, we're, it doesn't mean you stop building the relationship with the high school coach. But I, I did find that to be a noteworthy comment as well, which obviously is is why I included it in the story. Um, it's a challenge. And the the one thing that I think off the top is you know, when Barry built this program and built the wall around the state, recruiting was, at least in my mind, a lot different, right? There wasn't social media. You didn't have access to as many kids as you do as quickly. Maybe you didn't have as many people that were aware of the success of the program. Now, obviously, they're on TV every Saturday. Um, but Luke also stressed, and I, when I asked him about that, that things, you have to adapt. But he said things don't change, change. Like the culture is, is still what the culture was and the people are still what the people are. So it is, it is kind of a, a delicate balance here to try to figure out, you know, what has worked well, how do the changing times impact how you have to recruit the kids. But when he's trying to go out and his staff is trying to go out and develop relationships, like that still matters. And he's still going to keep trying to do that. Um, I also think that just like we're sort of learning more about, the changing landscape. So is Luke in terms of what that means for, for what recruiting looks like. And the other question that we, that I asked you on Wednesday was about whether the lack of. Yeah. Wisconsin native and not Wisconsin natives, but uh, play uh, people associated with the program in the past, him not having any of those guys, those 10 coaches having any previous experience at Wisconsin uh, may have impacted their ability to recruit the state. And I know you asked him the same thing. What, what did he have to say about that? Well, he said that he's, he and the staff, they're still trying to assess that, which 
makes a lot of sense. There's no there's no definitive finite answers when you haven't even completed your first full cycle here. So it's it's a learning process. But he did say, I think it makes us a little bit slower because we're learning. I think we're developing relationships with the coaches. So by nature, we're a little bit slower to offer guys. Um, but this was interesting to me as well. He talked about that that has traditionally been hit the route that he has gone, uh, like at, at Cincinnati too, that they would wait a little bit longer because, and this is from Luke, that those are the guys you can't miss on. Um, and so you want to make sure that you get it right. And they do take a little bit more time to offer the in-state guys because they're much more invested in them. And I, I, I can understand why maybe some people would think like, well, wouldn't you offer them sooner if you're more invested? But um, I thought that was kind of an interesting statement. So it specifically in relation to the fact that 10 full-time assistants don't have ties to the state as several coaches at Wisconsin did previously, he doesn't know. But I thought it was interesting that he at least acknowledged that perhaps that had to do with, with part of the learning. And I mean, I can understand that too, but even the guys that they got committed um, with, uh, with Jensen and Gothier, they didn't offer until junior day in January. Um, Those are guys that didn't have offers under the previous staff, presumably would have gotten offers. You know, this staff was in a spot where they came (laughs) obviously in December and they're still meeting kids for the first time in January. So it would make sense that things happen a little bit slower. I, I think it's it'll be much easier to figure out, and and Luke will probably say the same thing, what this staff wants and what it's looking for a year or two down the road. So again, it goes back to a feeling out process, but he did talk about the fact that it's much easier for an out-of-state school a thousand miles away to just throw out an offer to a kid in Wisconsin. And then if they commit and go there and it doesn't work out, they don't have as much invested in them. And Luke feels like, and and I think this was interesting too, that you understand there's a bet on development and you're not going to lose them when they come to Wisconsin. Um, Meaning that doesn't mean a kid could, couldn't hypothetically transfer, but that they just will have the coaching staff would have a lot more invested in a kid. Um, And I think that it sounds to me like would be part of the message with some of these in-state kids moving forward is how much that will matter to the staff. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So I think what we all have to understand and certainly the media is included in that is that it's only been seven months. It's been less than seven months. Right. So for me, it's, it's very difficult to sit here and make sweeping generalizations about the program and his recruiting ability and the recruiting ability of the staff in the state. It's, I can't do it. I like, there are, there are people already dunking, on their takes from you know back in December saying oh this this is not going to be any different than it was under Paul Christ and it just feels just ridiculous to do at this point you have you have so very little information to be able to do that so I can't now again other people can we're in that we're in that era that you have to have a uh, reaction right away and you have to your you know your reaction will flow up and down and with fans that's completely fine because you're you're a fan i just feel like there has to be a little bit more measured approach when you're looking at something that is changing all the time that you can't just dig in on something and be like this is what it's going to be and it goes both ways like people that said oh he's going to turn this into a top five recruiting program i think we're also <laughs> a little over the top as well there's a, <laughs> there, there's a happy medium to those two things you don't have to be so down on it that nothing's ever going to change at wisconsin and it's always going to be the same no matter who the coach is and then there's also the other aspect there's a there's a happy medium in there and i just think it's so early and so quick to make lasting judgments on what this is going to be because of what it had been in the past 
Yeah, I fully agree. I, I find it fascinating, and maybe this is some inside baseball, but obviously you and I cover this team. We we do this every day. This is this is our livelihood. The fact that Luke cares enough to want to get a message out, um, because this is obviously a talking point. And to me, it's not just a couple people on social media or message boards. No, those are the the kind of the vocal, most vocal minority, I suppose, or I don't know that it's a majority of, of fans, but if they're talking about it, then so are a lot of other people. Lucas is, is, is certainly aware of what, what people are saying in terms of uh, how in-state recruiting is gone. And, and yes, it's, it's going to take time. Um, but I, I think that part is noteworthy. And then the other thing here is, and maybe we've addressed this as well, but I don't want to say in-state recruiting is overblown because we've seen how Barry Alvarez w- was able to build, build this. And Luke is not saying that at all. In fact, he's saying the exact opposite. It is tremendously important. But like if Wisconsin and this staff has guys on its board that they fully believe are better than what is available in the state, like that's great <laughs> if you're a Badgers fan. And I I, I think most fans would agree with that. Um, I don't want to speak for them, but okay, you don't have a couple of these offensive linemen. Certainly not getting Nathan Roy is it stings uh, I, based on talking to him. He certainly is his own guy and uh, does things a little bit differently because he didn't grow up a Badgers fan and that's fine. But Wisconsin does have three offensive linemen that are from out of the state. And one of them is Kevin Haywood, who's a top 25 four-star offensive tackle. They do have Grant Steck, who's a top 10 tight end. They do have Mabry McTire, who's a top 25 quarterback, who, by the way, now is a I said before he went from four star to three star to four star. That that doesn't really matter. But the point is, is he good again, guys? Is he good again all of a sudden? I guess he's back. Like, okay, uh, good. like I was, uh, curious, I was worried there for a second. Back? Right? Who do they Texas. say is always back? Texas. Texas, Texas is back. Well, yeah. he is a Texas quarterback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more on that later with the yeah. Texas quarterbacks. But the point is, and and also like they're changing the way they build their defensive backs with longer players. So you can sit here and just look at well, they don't have the top five in-state players it's still going to be very important and they're going out and getting other guys that they believe are really good players and while this staff and luke talked about this too like they're they're not sitting here looking at rivals or 24 7 that doesn't mean they're not aware of it and as luke said that doesn't mean like if someone is measuring this he wants to be able to win he's a competitive guy um they have a top 20 recruiting class at this stage we'll see how that ends up playing out but um, I think some other interesting things that he talked about were the, the positions that they're he, that need to be um, kind of buttoned up at this point, specifically running back and defensive line. Those were the two biggest. But like, it's also far too early to judge what the final product on this class is going to be because Darian Dupree and Dylan Jones are four-star running backs. I think Wisconsin has an outstanding shot maybe to get both of them, frankly. Um, which I know three running backs in a class may sound crazy, but you would, what Badgers fan wouldn't take that? And okay, you don't have Corey Smith. If you got even Dupree, I think fans would be uh, happy with that. If you got both, wow. I mean, or Emilio Agar, the four-star cornerback from Philadelphia, or the, the, the edge rusher from Hawaii. Like, they're not in the radius necessarily. Um, Dupree is, but... It's about finding the best players and finding the best players that fit. So I think that's something that really is worthy of uh, of being discussed here, that for as much as we make of in-state recruiting, and yeah, it's important, you got to go and get the best players. And if it works out three, four years down the road, 
I don't know how much this will be as big of a talking point as it is now. Again, I think it's just worthwhile to note that, and we talked about this on Wednesday. I don't know that I even need to, to do this, but you can't count on that every year. No, because your coaches change. And so, yes, we, we, I don't need to go over this again. It's, it's, it's in in-state recruiting is, is important for a variety of reasons. If you like guys better in other places, completely fine, go after them, get them, but it's still important because these guys are here. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's no different than Ohio. It's no different than Florida. It's no different than Michigan. It's no different than Texas, it's no different than California. Like the schools in those places are successful because of the talent in their state, right? Like all because of their, their closeness to the talent beds, the beds of talent in this country. So there's because of what they are able to do in their spots. Now they're able to go national. Absolutely. But they have success because of all the talent around them that wants to come there. Wisconsin has a lot more talent now. And maybe it's because it's getting out there and there's, I think there's always been the talent, but now people are actually seeing it and, and knowing about it. And all these big programs are coming into the state and uh, it's the recruiting process is so much wide open, more wide open for people to have a chance to show what they have that they can do and they get rated and they get seen and their film and all that stuff. The talent's always been there, but there's a lot of talent in the state that, if you keep it home, like if they kept, again, we know that they didn't want all these guys that ended up that are in the top, you know, didn't want all the top five guys, right? They didn't want all those guys. They wanted some of them. They want all of them. But if say they had just gotten all top five guys, that is potentially the best recruiting class in school history. It's, it, like it's probably not even close. If you were able to lock down the state, that's what I'm mm -hmm. saying. You know, the, the talent here is worthwhile to continue to go after hard. And I know they are going to, but I just don't buy the idea that it's it's okay if this doesn't come here because there's you can go elsewhere and get stuff. That's this this is the this is supposed to be the not the easy stuff, but this is supposed to be the stuff that you're actually able to get on a consistent basis. Right. I'm specifically referencing the 2024 class. I'm not saying okay. this is the, right. this is the model for success four or five years down the road. You're right. You know, what if Colin Hitchler goes somewhere else and then your pipeline to the Philadelphia or Pennsylvania area dries up? Um, I'm most. What I, the point I'm trying to get across is all this hand-wringing specifically about what has happened in this class. Um, I, I get it, but like <laughs> when we look in a few months at what, what this product is going to be, I think that they've got an opportunity to get <laughs> a really good class. Um, yeah, maybe if they got all those top five guys, it'd be considered one of the best classes in, in the online recruiting ranking era. Obviously, there are three four-star players in that, but they might end up with just as many, if not more, by by doing what they're doing right now. But again, it goes back to Luke talking about they've got to figure out whether this is something that's going to pan out and whether it's going to be sustainable. But that doesn't mean they're going to stop recruiting the state and and engage in that 300, 350 mile radius. It's just it's a little bit different um, in terms of how they've been doing things. I also think with this. Well, the other point I want to make is you were talking about Zach, like. Florida and Ohio and California. And, and you're right. The, the programs that do well, and I've written about this before, look at the ones who are in the college football playoff. Well, they have access to talent in their state, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. I mean, there's obviously a lot of talent in the South. I think that kind of creates an added layer of pressure. And maybe the staff feels this, maybe it doesn't, but it's not quite like that in Wisconsin. Yes, the talent has gotten better. And yes, programs are recognizing it earlier. Maybe that has to do with kids being evaluated as sophomores and becoming four-star players. Um, but 
I mean, even when Luke was at Cincinnati, he averaged, I went and looked at this from 2017 to 22, his recruiting classes averaged 10 and a half Ohio kids in each of those classes. Sometimes he had 15, sometimes he had uh, eight or nine. Like, I don't see that really happening at, at, at Wisconsin. That doesn't mean you don't go after the best kids. There's just the access to talent here. It's not as great as some of those other states. I'm, I, so I, I also think that almost creates more pressure on you got to go and get these top guys. And there's absolutely a balance here because you don't want to just offer somebody because people think you should offer. Um, so there's just so many layers to this, which is why I find it fascinating. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And again, I'm not saying you offer everybody just because they're from Wisconsin. I, I certainly understand that it has to be based on whether you think they're worthwhile or not. And certainly in this class, in this state, they didn't feel that, all of them were worthwhile uh, to offer. And that's certainly th their choice. And um, I think we can agree on, <laughs> on a number of those guys, but all I'm saying is the, the talent in the state is here. Mm -hmm. If in the past feels like you land most of it, you're feeling good about it. And I think there's also maybe a little bit of 2022 coming into this as well, mm -hmm. uh, which from fans, you mean, yeah, which has nothing to do with Luke Fickle whatsoever, right. um, you know, with the the three guys going elsewhere. But I think that that also is is in the back of people's minds. But that's uh, neither here nor there. There was there was one more thing that wanted to ask you about your conversation with him that you put in the article. And it was about official visits. Wisconsin loaded up. Um, and that, that, I think this is always a, a really good discussion point <laughs> and exactly how you want to do this. Uh, do you want to be the first in uh, the first program a kid sees? Do you want to be the last program a kid sees? You know where exactly at it is that with Wisconsin they loaded up in early in early June the the June second official visit weekend. What were what was the number? Was it how many kids were here? Fourteen. So, 15? so seventeen players 17. were were on campus the first week of official visits. Sixteen of them were there for the weekend. Now that did include six guys who at the time, at least were committed to Wisconsin, but it yeah. was massive. And by the third week, four players, right? Does he have a better feel as to how he wants to do it? Cause obviously they got the commitment from Vernon Woodward on the second and he continued to take his other visits. And I know, I think we could, I, I kind of feel the same way. If you're taking other visits, you're not really committed. And I think Luke yeah. said that in the article, so I don't know how they exactly view that, but does he have a different feel after these three weeks or is it something he has to study? I think it's both. He's trying to study it and he's got a little bit different feel. And I, I, this was another thing that I found really interesting because the thing he's talked, he talked about was among many topics, obviously, but how he measures success is the hit rate that they have, the success rate with the guys that they actually get up here for an official visit. And usually we're talking about out of state kids because these are the guys that um, may not have access to coming to Wisconsin consistently. This may be their one time to get here. And obviously when it's official, um, their family can come, the school can, can pay for the trip, all that stuff. And he said, when we don't get guys on an official, that's when we are looking at it and say, we didn't do a good enough job. Why didn't we do a good enough job? And, and what can we do differently? They have had, so far at least, tremendous success with these officials. I believe seven players who were uncommitted on their officials are currently committed to Wisconsin. There are several that the Badgers are in great shape with. And at this point, and there will be more, but I think three players that have taken officials have committed elsewhere. One of those is Rob Booker, obviously. Um, 
I'm Marion Stewart, the wide receiver, ended up at Michigan, and and Vernon Woodward, who committed to Wisconsin and then flipped to Illinois. Um, so he's studying how successful they are, but also when is the right time to have them come? Because you're right, they did load up in the first week. And they're all new to Wisconsin and they're all figuring this out. But you do run the risk of a guy like Woodward who gets caught up in the moment and commits and he's got other visits planned. And, and Luke did say if, if a kid's committed and he's going other places, we don't really consider him to be committed now. I think, you know, maybe there's some discussion about, well, do you, do you accept a commitment if somebody is still visiting? And and that's probably to be determined. I, I think that's <laughs> very valid and very interesting that, you know, how can somebody commit when he's got three more weeks of uh, of programs that he's going to go visit but he said you've got to be willing and and this is something that's not in this story but again I, I do hope to have some extra tidbits for next week you've got to be willing to ride the roller coaster with some of these guys because that's what the official visit season is and sometimes the first weekend is the only weekend you're going to get them because they've got four of the top big 10 programs on their official visit list they've already got things lined up so if you get them first at least you got them and you got to ride that roller coaster. And there are other times where if you don't position it quite right, you might lose a kid. And he, I think he said something about somebody who visited at a certain time. And if they had gotten him to visit at a different time, maybe it would have turned out differently. I just thought that was really fascinating as well, because there's it's all an inexact science. We could say that about recruiting in general, but same with scheduling the official visits. You don't know who's going to visit when and, and when they're going to commit. Now, he did say you feel like you've got a pretty good idea of the types of kids that you want to come first and potentially last. But again, it's an inexact science. And so I do wonder moving forward, and I think obviously Luke looks at it as well, do you change the ratio? Because when you have 17 the first week and four the last week, um, could it be a little bit different? And will that lead to more success down the road? Again, all a feeling out process, and it is just so fascinating. Yeah, I think that's another one that you have to – it's a little bit of a feel thing, I think, at times, uh, exactly how it all plays out. And, they, and, again, having not been here before, everything's different. It's not going to be the same thing at all at uh, Cincinnati as it is at mm -hmm. Wisconsin. I, I, I definitely thought and felt that uh, that was interesting as well. All right, let's dive into Rob Booker because it, it, that is a, a fascinating story. And uh, you had an opportunity to catch up with him. He obviously committed to UCLA on Thursday. Um, however, he had already committed to UCLA before he even <laughs> decommitted from Wisconsin. Um, he committed. He went out there on an unofficial visit, paid his own way, all that good stuff out to UCLA. Uh, hadn't didn't even have a scholarship offer when he went out there. Obviously, probably thought he was going to get one when he went out there, but he goes out there sees place commits and then has to make the call to Luke fickle. Usually it goes the other way around, um, but very, a tough look, a tough look for, uh, for Rob Booker. I think just based on some of his, his answers to you in that Q and a, and it felt like a lot of times contradictory answers, but when you, when you talk to him, can you just lay out the story for people that didn't, that haven't had a chance to read the article and then we can talk about it a little bit. This is one of the most amazing Q&A sessions I think I've ever had with a recruit. First of all, it's not an easy topic uh, to discuss. I, I commend him for being willing to do so. You're talking about the biggest decision you've ever made and upsetting 
the vast majority of people you're around because he's in Wanaki, like 20 minutes from Camp Randall Stadium. And he answered every question as best he could, even though sometimes perhaps they were contradictory. Um, so this is the this the story and we can get into more of it, but specifically as it relates to UCLA. So Rob came on his official visit here that first weekend in June, the one we were talking about where there were 16 guys that weekend. And um, I asked him, okay, well, obviously you were talking to UCLA. So would you say you were fully in on Wisconsin? And he said, I, I wouldn't say I was fully in, but for the most part, I didn't think this was going to play out how it did. The conversations with UCLA progressed about a week ago. They tried to set up coming him coming out for an unofficial he came out there on Tuesday for an unofficial and he didn't tell Wisconsin. Now he came out there knowing he was going to commit. You're right. He didn't have the offer, but knew he was going to get one. So he committed before he left, took a red eye back to Madison. So was there was, it was out at UCLA for less than a day. And then he had to let Wisconsin know. And he, so Nate Letton is the tight ends coach. Talked to him, talked to Max Steinecker, who's um, one of the, main recruiting figures and they were completely caught off guard again because Rob never told them about this and they were asking him because I found this part interesting too Rob initially just wanted to tell them that he would be decommitting but he didn't want to tell them that he was going to commit to UCLA for whatever reason and the staff having done this a time or two was like well I, I don't understand you're, you're decommitting uh, it's pretty risky to decommit and then just bank on the offers that you had previously. It doesn't mean you're going to have a spot. There's got to be a reason why you're doing this. Is there is there a school? And eventually he ended up telling them that he was going to commit to UCLA. And I know based on what Rob said that Luke was on the phone with, with Rob and his dad and um, talking to Rob's high school coach. And <laughs> it's just, it's a really strange situation. Um, I, Rob has to make the best decision for himself. And he he talked about that. And this was not an easy decision. And we can get into the rest of this story. But that's basically what happened. And so on Wednesday, he let Wisconsin know. On Thursday, he publicly announced in his Twitter post that he would be committing to UCLA, which the staff already knew about on Tuesday. But this is just, it's it's kind of bizarre because as soon as he committed, he started hearing from other programs. The, the day after he told me he heard from uh, a coach at Texas A&M who was like, I, I love your film. I wish you weren't committed. And it just kept going. And he got several offers from major programs, but Wisconsin was not aware of what was going on. So it's, it's a really difficult spot for the Badgers to be in. And, and Rob reiterated that this staff, they did an excellent job. It wasn't anything that they did. It was more something that he wanted. So that's the, uh, those are the, the, uh, the outline. That's the outline for this story, but there's obviously so much more. I know you've I know you've called this creepy in the past, but on TweetDeck, there's an activity column. On not TweetDeck. creepy, not creepy anymore. Now that what'd I you, know that, what you, you can call learn. it though? What'd you call? Okay, I probably so, did. <laughs> yeah, no, you, <laughs> you did, see you who's did. following who when. Yeah, so on on acti on activity, say I follow, let's just say Rob Booker, right? I follow Rob mm -hmm. Booker. It's not everybody that he follows. But there are t there when when he were to follow somebody, it pops up in that activity bar, and it's not like I'm monitoring it; it's just on my feed, right? And almost from the moment he committed, <laughs> he was still following. He was consistently following people from Oregon, LSU, Texas A and M, UCLA. Like there, it was, it was pretty consistent. And then it just felt like 
you know, maybe there was something there, but again, we don't, we don't know this. The same thing happened. Um, and I'm not going to mention, you know, players names, but the same thing happened in, uh, with the transfer portal and kids that are currently on Wisconsin's team doing the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, in, in January and February, but this one, this stood out a little bit to me. And so when the, the news popped, it was not as big of a surprise. I think just be, just be, just based on that alone, right? Nothing that I had no inclination of what that it was actually going to happen. There were no sign outward signs of it, but just the fact that he was still following guys and it, it, at least, you know, sh- I don't, you know, looking around, I guess is the best term for it. But I, I mean, it's just a really, really bad look to not to, to do it behind Wisconsin's back and yeah. to do it, you know, have a guy come into your school and not tell Wisconsin that he was there. And, to, and I, yeah, he has teammates that are getting recruited as well. Right. But came to see you. And so those are, I think that's a really tough look. And then the other tough look is the idea that he's not afraid of competition, but UCLA doesn't have another tight end commit at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they will add another one. We'll see, but the, not wanting to compete, uh, saying he wants to compete and then, you know, saying also UCLA has one tight end commit. I think that also plays uh, is another tough look, but again, he's, he's 17. This is his decision. It felt mm-hmm. like, you know, based on some of the quotes in your story that his family, huge, huge Badgers fans, uh, his mom, huge Badgers fan really took this hard. So it, you know, he has to do what he has to do for himself. Um, even if everyone out around him is maybe like, you should probably think about this a little bit harder. Something you touched on that uh, I didn't mention before that's also an important part of this story is in May when coaches could come out and, and visit schools, yes, coaches were coming out to Wanakee. They wanted to talk to some other players. And Wisconsin staffers asked Rob whether there were coaches coming through. And he said yes. But what he didn't tell them is that the offensive line coach at UCLA, Tim Drevno, uh, came to see him. Um, and so this this had been going on for for quite a long period of time, you know. It's it's not illegal, obviously. No. You can do whatever you want. I mean, if coaches can leave whenever they want and players haven't signed, they can do this. But it's certainly interesting that basically from the moment he committed to Wisconsin, he was considering other options, and UCLA emerged as one. And I, yes, the, that notion of wanting to be the only tight end that's fine. Um, he also said that I mean, when he committed he was the second tight end. I think right before that Grant Steck had committed. So, so he knew what was going on, but he also talked about when, when he had conversations afterward with Nate Letton, it sort of became clear that it may take a little while for, for him to play and who knows what's going to happen at UCLA. And the other thing is who, okay. So I went and looked and I think UCLA only offered like two tight ends. So yeah, they didn't, they made Rob their guys later here in this process, but that doesn't mean (laughs) You're not going to get other tight ends in the next class, so you're not going to go to the transfer portal. So who knows what's going to happen on that end? One thing that he did talk about and why he felt like it was a good fit for UCLA is that he looked at the presentations of both offenses for Wisconsin and UCLA, and he was obviously into the A-rate offense and what Phil Longo had done to produce yardage for tight ends. But he also liked Chip Kelly and the fact that he had this NFL offense. He talked about the fact he coached Zach Ertz and that three tight ends have gone to the NFL in the last five years and that his play style complements that well. So I don't know. I mean, you never know until down the road, whether it's the right decision, but it is certainly interesting. And and it's more interesting just because of 
the fact he didn't tell Wisconsin, but the fact that he's a he's a Wanakee kid. If this was a kid from Florida, look, Vernon Woodward, obviously, hey, he committed and then ended up going to Illinois a couple weeks later. It's it's just a little bit different um, when when you're closer to home. But this stuff does happen all the time in recruiting. I think some people also wondered about NIL, like, oh, you're going to you're going to L.A. And he said that had no factor what's whatsoever. He said he's the the first male in his family who will, well, well, he said no family male in his family have graduated college. And the fact he's getting his college paid for, that is his NIL. So he really doesn't care about that. I think it was just more of, you know, maybe the, yes, there's the opportunity, but the fact you've got other schools, big time schools coming after you, it kind of maybe gives you big eyes that he talked about how UCLA made him a priority, but I asked him, well, are you saying Wisconsin didn't make you a priority? And he said, no, they still did. So it is a little bit, it is a little bit confusing, but it is absolutely one of the most interesting uh, recruiting conversations I've had with a with a kid, especially a high school kid, and gives a little bit of a window into how this works for people who didn't know this already. And I assume they did. If you're listening to this show, that just because you commit, <laughs> the recruiting is far from over. It goes on for a long, long time, and sometimes kids are susceptible to it, and we find out down the road whether it was the right decision. Yeah, it's fascinating. It goes both ways. Wisconsin has flipped kids in the past. Yes. And um, so it's not like it's something that is only happening one way, but it, it was kind of like a one two punch there, um, you know, within hours of each other. And I, that also stood out as well. But if you haven't read uh, the interview with Rob Booker at The Athletic, definitely do so. And you guys have like a deal, right? Like it's a, yeah, right now this is this is the best deal of the year that we have. I think we do this a few times a year, but uh, it's our it's our summer sale. It's one dollar a month for a full year, so it doesn't get any better than that. If you've been considering it and you listen to me talk about these stories, hopefully you'll give it a shot. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, now let's get into positive news for Wisconsin. That is uh, the new commit, the first commit in twenty twenty five class that is Landon Locke and he is the brother of current Wisconsin quarterback Braden Locke as I said earlier uh have his interview coming up here in a minute but you had an opportunity to chat with uh, several people around him he is currently unranked right like he doesn't have a 24-7 sports ranking or you know any any ranking yet but he has been compared to his brother throwing the ball wise and uh, a little bit bigger at least uh, height wise very interesting prospect. If you watch him, some of his highlights, he's, he doesn't have a ton of varsity experience. He only played in two games uh, as a result of uh, a guy getting hurt. And the guy in front of him is also going to play, or the guy that was in front of him last year is also going in and playing in, uh, in college this year. So he doesn't have a ton of varsity tape out there, but Phil Longo liked it enough to offer and, um, and they get the commitment from him. Yeah, quarterback recruiting is always really interesting because sometimes a guy comes in, he's the starter from day one or maybe even sophomore year and you've got a lot of tape on him. And sometimes it's about potential. It's about what you've seen at some camps or what you see in person. I remember when Graham Mertz got offered by Wisconsin like three games into his junior season, which is typically when the Badgers had done it previously. But that was his first year as a starter with Landon. Played in two varsity games as a sophomore last season and has thrown 23 career passes at that level. Now he had great stats at the JV level, but... When you're looking at film and trying to figure out what it looks like, I think sometimes it can be hard to know. But what he talked about was when Phil Longo came down to watch him throw in person about a month ago, it it was about scouting potential, measurables, arm strength, character, relationships with people. 
And Longo already had that aspect about knowing what his character was, knowing the family well, because Braden, currently a Badgers quarterback, somebody that Phil Longo uh, has developed a strong relationship and with the family as well. So once he saw Landon throw, he was sold and, and Wisconsin offered. It was his first Power 5 offer. He had three offers before then from SMU, Tulsa, and Western Kentucky. And then Miami came in about a week after Wisconsin offered. But the Badgers always had the clear advantage here. And I'm sure this is something Landon talked with you about, but his older brother, um, that makes the biggest difference. And I thought this was interesting too, when I was talking to Landon's dad, um, when, so what happened was Landon came to Madison with his mom and dad, and they stayed in Braden's one bedroom apartment for an entire week. That was the first time Landon had been to Madison. This was two Sundays ago. And um, by the next Saturday, when they were going to leave, he called a meeting with, with Longo and fickle and committed and, his dad said that Longo was asking what, you know, what's going to happen down the road when LSU offers or some of these other schools offers. And the response from Landon was, well, my brother's only in one spot. So I thought that was pretty interesting because this is really early to take a kid, especially a quarterback in, in 2025, but he feels very solid about Wisconsin. His offense is very similar to what Wisconsin runs, which is part of why Braden was so interested. And he's got all the talent in the world. His high school coach talked about if you, all you have to do is watch him throw once that when he does routes on air and practice and he's at the 45 yard line, he's dropping it in the bucket five yards into the end zone. So right now it's based on potential. It doesn't hurt that he has an older brother who's already at Wisconsin and has established himself at, at the high school level. And that that brother is teaching Landon everything that he knows. And we talked in the spring that Braden, one of the most intelligent guys on the team, his knowledge of the playbook certainly helped allow him to become the backup. And he may very well be the future at quarterback for Wisconsin. So it's very interesting, but um Texas quarterbacks, man. He loves them. What, what did you say? Find you someone uh, who loves anything as much as Phil Longo loves a Texas quarterback. Yeah, find someone that loves you as much <laughs> as Phil Longo loves Texas quarterbacks because obviously Tanner Mordecai, Braden Locke, Landon Locke, Nick Evers, and Mary Matoyer, Matower, excuse me, um, all from Texas and all have been brought in in the last, what, six months, seven months? Pretty uh, not brought in, but you know, recruited and uh, committed to Wisconsin in the last seven months. It's pretty, uh, pretty eye opening. He loves he loves him some Texas quarterbacks, which is completely fine. Completely fine. Um, let's uh, let's let's do the interview with um, Landon now. I I had one note that I wanted to make note of. Or I said I have one thing I wanted to say about the interview because uh, I thought it was kind of funny when he talked about it. But um, here he is, Landon Locke. And we do welcome in uh, a special guest. It is uh, the newest, or the first, I should say, commit in Wisconsin's 2025 class. It is Landon Locke, quarterback out of Texas. Uh, congrats on the commitment. Thank you, sir. Uh, so you had not been to Wisconsin, despite your brother, and we'll we'll talk about him in a second. You had not been to Wisconsin since uh, until this, well, a couple of weeks ago. What were you expecting, and what did you actually experience? Uh, well, actually, like I went down there this past weekend for my first time. I wasn't able to get down there in the uh, in the spring and, you know, when Braden got there because I was playing baseball. But when I first got down there, you know, I expected kind of just the normal thing, what Braden says. And then I got down there and uh, the city of Madison is just it's beautiful and the campus is awesome and uh, it's a really good place to be. And I was really uh, I was really shocked. What stood out to you about the campus? Just everything really everything's super nice and then uh 
you know, coaches were saying they're getting a 300 and something million dollar facility, which is even cooler. And then, you know, uh, with the Capitol right in the middle of the city, it's just, uh, it's really cool views, good places to be. And, uh, you know, spent a lot of time with the coaching staff and I really loved it there. So the coaching staff obviously is a big part of this. Uh, Coach Longo really likes his Texas quarterbacks. Um, uh, has Tanner Mordecai and Nick Evers, your brother, obviously, and, and Mabry coming in in the 2024 class. For you and his offense, what makes it work for you? What What is it about his offense that makes you excited to be a part of that? Um, well, from the stuff I've learned and the stuff I know from uh, Longo's offense, it's it's really kind of similar to what we run in, in at my high school with the RPOs and the and the fast tempo and stuff like that, and uh, not holding the ball for too long, just getting it out and get taking what they give you. So I really uh, enjoy that part, and I spent a lot of time with uh, Coach Longo in the film room. So when I did get to learn some of their offense, it was uh it was cool to see how uh, some of the stuff we do at our high school really will kind of convert to the to a bigger level. It was interesting when your brother committed, uh, the the stories came out about him and Phil almost missing the bus uh, back to the hotel because they were talking so much football. That's They're just obsessed with football. Your brother's obsessed with football. And we kind of got that when we had a chance to talk to him in the spring. Um, but I understand you're also very much in that same type of mindset. And you guys spend a ton of time together talking ball. What are those sessions like? Uh, it's just it's a lot of – it's a lot of talking ball. I'm not going to lie. It's, <laughs> you know, I was, I think I spent uh, in total like eight or nine hours in the, in the room with them throughout like two, two or three days, something like that. It was a lot. We were actually almost late to dinner one day to a nice dinner. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were in the film room and, you know, we were like, all right, we're going to leave at five 30 so we can go home and get ready for dinner. And then it got to about five 30 and we were like, we can just wear this to dinner. <laughs> And, you know, we almost late because we still got caught up and we were in there for like three, four hours. But that's that's kind of the thing that stuck out to me was uh, the availability the the coaches that they are, you know, how available they are. And uh, that's a big deal for me. And, uh, you know, well, I mean, just like I said, you can spend as much time as you want with them. Um, so, you know, in, in reading a little bit about your story, your brother and you are type, as we just illustrated him being here, that comfort factor how much did that play into into the commitment you know well uh there's a familiar face when you get on campus and that always helps and uh you know this that's Braden being there is something that no school in the country can offer which is a uh, you know a huge advantage and uh especially because it's my brother you know I mean nobody no better role model to follow you know it is early in your recruitment though right um obviously you've, you've got offers from a number of schools, uh, SMU, Miami. I know that there are probably some others that were interested. Did you have any thoughts of just, you know, maybe playing it out a little bit and just seeing what else was out there before making this decision? Well, I was actually, you know, I didn't, I didn't walk in, walk into Wisconsin knowing or thinking I was going to commit. I was planning on going other on other visits after a little bit this summer and even after my junior year, and then, you know, kind of make the decision then. But uh you know after being there for a week I was that's a you know that was an opportunity I couldn't miss and uh just, I had to it just felt right so you and your brother a little bit different in terms of your bodies right um you know uh Brayden is uh six feet is it are we gonna are we gonna give him six feet I'll give him six one I'll give him six one bit, uh, okay all right all right you're what six three six four 
Yeah, I'm uh like six four in shoes. So six six. All right. Well, then we're going with six four because I, as a short person, always want to say I always wear shoes. And yeah, I'm, I'm five eight. So all right. Um, yeah, always. Where do your games the same, and where are your games different? Uh, well, you know, we uh we like to say we're different in a lot of ways, but the more you watch film, the more uh, we watch film together, we kind of come to realize we're a little similar uh, in some areas. Like, I don't know, we kind of, we kind of manage the game the same way. And like, we go through our progressions kind of the same and uh, make the same throws. And we really trust our arm. Uh, we both do that. Sometimes it gets you in trouble, but <laughs> you know, usually it works out. And uh, you know, I feel like that's where we kind of are the same, but uh, he's a, uh, you know, he's at, he's at the next level right now. So he's probably a little more polished, but you know, I, I like to think we're pretty much the same uh, in those type of areas. So what does your high school career looked like? You know, I was, I was, I read one thing, the, the stats last year was like, you know, what was it? 28 touchdowns, four interceptions or something like that. Uh, yeah. So I actually only appeared in two varsity games okay because he had a senior he's actually going to AM commerce he was he was a great player uh i think a lot of him and uh so he he had that jo- he had the varsity job which was that's good for him and he ended up getting hurt early on so i got to make an appearance in two of those games okay. and then those and then like the 28 touchdowns or was that was that what it was uh, I, thought, like that. I was looking at i was looking at huddle obviously uh so the huddle stats i think it was i don't know i know it was like four interceptions or something like that so he, Either way, go that ahead. Of my junior varsity stats. Okay, that, all right, yeah. cool. So, what what are you at? What are your expectations then this fall, stepping into a, I assume, a starting role for the varsity, or at least having the opportunity to step into that role? I mean, go get a ring. Really, that's uh, that's <laughs> the goal. That's been the goal since day one. And uh, you know, you gotta you gotta lead the team, and we all we all gotta believe in the same thing and go after the same thing. Do you plan any more visits up to Wisconsin? And 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 actually more so in the vein of the 2025 recruiting class, what kind of a role do you want to have in, in helping it? Cause it's always, it always feels like if you get the quarterback early in a class, he's able to help build it and able to help recruit the rest of it. Do you subscribe to that notion? Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, it's a, it's a great place. And I feel like it's definitely a place where everybody needs to be. I mean, after visiting it, there's no reason, you know, to not not be there so in my opinion that try to get everybody there and see how many we can get there we talked about coach longo what did uh coach pickle have for you what what, what stood out about him in, in this process because obviously you're going to be coached a lot by coach longo but Fickle's going to be is the head coach and he's the one that uh, obviously is is at the top of the structure yeah um well i mean you go look at um Fickle's resume, what he's done in the past and what he did at Cincinnati, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome to see. And so, and like, just the more things you hear about him, just the better he gets. It's uh, that was impressive. And, you know, after talking with him, he wasn't trying to like sell me. He wasn't trying to just point out everything that they're really, really good at. He was, he was really uh, upfront with me, which I really liked and really appreciated. And, you know, I've just, the more you hear about him, the better the guy gets. And that's, that's definitely a guy you want to play for. Was there anything that stood out during that that time when you were talking to him that, or uh, any time you spent with him that that stood out during your your time there? Yeah, just like I said, he wasn't trying to sell me. He was just he was being upfront and you know what they have to offer and the advantages we have uh, with my brother being there and you know uh, what it can look like when I'm there and stuff like that. So 
just like in that part. And then I saw how he like, um, Brayden's told me how he coaches and stuff like that. So I'm definitely, definitely the guy I want to play for. So what does this timeline look for you in your mind? Is it Braden, you know, backs up Tanner this year is the starter, you know, in, in, in the next two years. And then you kind of step in is, or is that, is that, uh, is that what your timeline is or what's your mind? Or is that just so far off that it is not even something you even think about? You know, I mean, uh, kind of just when I get there, work my way up and then, uh, you know, take the job when it's mine, you know, and get the job as early as I can. All right. Hey, Landon, really appreciate your time. Uh, congratulations again. And uh, looking forward to seeing you in Madison. Uh, what? How many months is it till you can actually uh, sign your letter of intent? It's, it's a while, but. Uh, it is a while. If I if I leave early, I'll be there in like 18 months. All so. right. Well, we look forward to seeing you here. Yes, sir. All right. There he is. Landon Locke, the first member of Wisconsin's 2025 recruiting class. All right, there he was, the uh, the newest commit for Wisconsin, the first commit. In, I, I need to stop saying that. I say, keep on saying newest commit. He's the first commit in 2025. Jesse, I, obviously you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, but he did say, remember your the whole thing about uh, Braden and Longo like almost missing the bus? Yeah. For, yeah. The exact same thing happened when they were trying to go to dinner. Um, they, spent, <laughs> they spent eight hours in the film room over the, over the weekend. So it was very similar to what Braden and Longo did, you know, back when he visited, uh, what was that in January? And um, so it's, or December, it was, it was kind of funny because they, they, they feel like they're the very similar guys in how they go about things uh, on the football field, but interesting, interesting guy. Uh, an interesting prospect that I'm, I'm anxious to see what he does as, as varsity starter. Like it's, do you, is it a bit of a leap in your mind to to do this even before he he stepped on the field? Well, or truly, truly stepped on the field, right? Partially, but I. The thing is, I I think Phil Longo, based on what he's been able to do in developing and finding yeah. quarterbacks, has earned the For benefit sure. of the doubt. Like, if he goes and watches a sophomore who's six three six four hundred eighty pounds and can make all the throws, can drop it sixty yards down the field the way that it sounds like Landon can, and. I don't want to say he's a carbon copy of Braden because he's his own guy, but has that similar skill set and the knowledge. I would trust Phil Longo with his quarterback evaluations, but yeah, we, you don't know how he's going to develop. You don't know what it's going to look like at the varsity level. But I guess what I would say is <laughs> technically this is the worst version of Landon that Wisconsin will see because he's going to continue to get better and get these opportunities and reps and learn from Braden. So I, it is partially a gamble, but at quarterbacks, sometimes you kind of have to do this. And I think if you can get a quarterback early, that, that can be really important. Look at Mabry, who ended up after, obviously, Austin Alexander in Wisconsin parted ways. And, and Alexander, the cornerback from Illinois, is now at can it committed to Kansas. Mabry was the first player in the 2024 class, became a leader, helped to build that class, still helping to build that class. That can be very important. So obviously a, a number of layers that go into it. But I think your nugget about the... Uh, being late for things is, is really fascinating and speaks to how much the Longo loves football, which we know, but the Locke family does as well and how much they're willing to soak up knowledge. And I think if you're a Badgers fan who doesn't know anything about Landon, you can start there and think that's a really good thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, seems like a really, really good kid and uh, excited to check out how he does this fall. Um, uh, all eyes will be certainly on him. 
Um, all right. Before we go, I didn't know we were going to go this long, to be honest with you. Um, but I put out the uh, the call for some questions for for the episode on Twitter. And I'd like to uh, get to a few of them here before we go, Jesse, if that's all right with you. Ari says, uh, how much would Chris be getting crushed if he didn't sign any of the top six guys from Wisconsin and lost the top recruit to P.J. Fleck? It's kind of annoying how easily people are brushing off these failures from Fickle. He gets a first-year pass, but this can't happen again. Paul would be getting absolutely crushed. <laughs> the, the difference is it would have come on the heels of 2022, like you mentioned before, and it would have come with him being here eight plus years uh, with a staff that's familiar with the state that's been recruiting for a long time. Um, now, the circumstances would have been different. We know that the previous staff offered Harbor and Corey Smith. Um, I don't know that either of those kids would have committed to Wisconsin. I think it could have been an uphill climb either way, but it is just different. It's an apples to oranges situation. And yes, in some respects, Fickle and his staff do get a slight pass. And also, as I've continued to point out, there are some mitigating circumstances here. Nathan Roy, I think clearly the one they really would have wanted, and that hurts. And in the future, you got to be able to get him. But Luke also acknowledged that too, <laughs> right up top in the story. So it is a bit of apples to oranges, but no doubt if Chris were still here and this happened, he would be getting crushed. Adam says, how much should we really care about not getting Wisconsin guys? Shouldn't we just target the top guys out there, regardless of location? If 2024 ends up being our highest rated class ever, who cares if we lost Wisconsin guys? I know we touched on this a little bit, but I figured I'd give yeah. you another opportunity. It's both. You laid out very well uh, what can happen if you dedicate yourself to one area and then that coach leaves and the well perhaps dries up. But as we've said, and as Luke said, the, the, the in-state, this 350-mile radius, that's first and foremost where it begins, and you go elsewhere. But, yeah, if you can get a better player, if you've got someone on your board that you think is much better than what's available, just because he's 50 or 100 miles away doesn't mean you have to make him the top priority. It is a, it is absolutely a balance here because you need both. But but Luke acknowledged that. He he said that there, there are players in the state who can help Wisconsin build a championship-caliber team which is absolutely accurate. So you you do both. And we'll see where this class ends up. But yeah, it is on track potentially to be one of the better ones that Wisconsin has had. Having said that, that doesn't guarantee squat. How often have we talked about 2019, 2020, 2021, the three best classes Wisconsin has had? There were some really good players, but it hasn't translated to wins on the field. So there's a lot of development that goes into it. Um, but it starts with getting really good players, no matter where they're from. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. You know, you mentioned the 2019 class. Uh, your guys at uh, the athletic, yeah, do like the 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 look back, right? The four year look back, like what came of that class. And the 2019 class was headlined by Graham Mertz and Logan Brown, and we know how well they they did. Not great, and yet Wisconsin still finished higher in those rankings, 21st, than they did when the class initially was signed. So. The players there, the actual success off of that class wasn't where everybody wanted it to be, but the individual success and the individual talent that was within that class actually ended up being um, better than what people thought it was coming out of high school. The thing is, the ones that gave you the most, if you're re-ranking, weren't guys that everyone's going crazy about. I mean, right. Leo Chanel. Leo Chanel. I don't, obviously, not a lot of people knew no. beyond Grantsburg about him. 
up there, people knew he was just a ridiculous freak. And he was the top player in the state. But what does it mean to do it at Grantsburg <laughs> when you got to go do it in the Big Ten? Well, obviously, he became an All-American, just won a Super Bowl as a rookie with the Chiefs. Keanu Benton was one of the lowest, if not the lowest rated guys in the class. Another in-state kid. We know what he was able to do. Really, the only one who was one of those four-star, highly regarded guys that lived up to those expectations is Joe Tipman, who's now an NFL draft pick. And Nick Herbig doesn't count for this because he's in the 2020 recruiting class. Um, it is it is always interesting. It's a crapshoot. Sometimes the guys who are the best in the class end up panning out, and sometimes they don't. But if you look at this, the top signees from that class, Leo Chanel, Keanu Benton, Joe Tipman, Graham Mertz is still in there. Like you say what you will about what happened relative to the expectations. He was a three-year starter at quarterback. Um, not everybody has the opportunity to play that much. And Muma Jong Mehta is another one that would kind of fill into that top five spot whose career isn't done. So um, you just, you never know, and you never know where it's going to come from. So for as much as we may be talking about what Wisconsin didn't get or the four-star people they do get, maybe it's the three-star that no one really paid attention to that's going to end up being the guy in this class. Also worthwhile to note that the attrition rate was 55 or the attrition was 55%, meaning they didn't finish their careers at Wisconsin. Yeah. And that's just going to be the norm in college football. And, but it also counts against somebody like Graham Mertz in the same way as it did with Skylar Myers. <laughs> Remember him right. who was here for yeah. a hot minute. And, and I, I mean, that's a little tough for me. Like uh, if you are at Wisconsin for four or five years and then you want to take a grad transfer, you're okay. But it's a little bit different. And also with the transfer portal, that's just going to continue to be the norm. And and I think based on the projections that, and this was Max Olson, my colleague at the athletic, it was only slightly higher than what the attrition rate was uh, among the average class in top 25. The attrition average was 49%. So 55% really not that big of a deal relative to the other classes, but I just think that's, we're going to see that every year because that's the nature of college football now. Yeah. I mean, Georgia was at 46%, right? So in terms of attrition, um, all right. A uh, couple more here. Uh, Marcus says, even though fickle and crew got a late start and there's been some unique circumstances for each recruit, is it surprising? We're not getting more traction with the in-state kids based on all the momentum around the program. Surely they're, they're aware of the buzz and the philosophy change. Hmm. Is it surprising? They're not getting more traction. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, but again, I guess I'd go back to specifics and, and who who are we actually talking about um it's only really a few and it's 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 a hard question to answer i think yeah. it'd be a better question to answer in the 2025 class which we've mentioned a number of times in previous shows they've got offers out to six players in that class when they have a, a, a more time to build relationships and for these guys to get to know them uh i think then we'll see okay uh, Trap says, I see many expect Wisconsin to compete for the four and five star recruits and are disappointed with three stars. What are the realistic expectations, the limitations for recruiting that type of player? Oof. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think Wisconsin will be able to elevate its recruiting with this staff, but it, to expect the Badgers to have a top five class, that that's just that's not realistic. And even consistently top 10, because, again, it does go back to the access that you have to talent nearby um it's a little bit different here but that doesn't mean you can't elevate it from what it's been i don't know specifically on a ranking the thing with wisconsin traditionally is they don't they don't have time to go after every five-star recruit they're not going to get every five-star recruit they've only had a handful in the, the history of the online recruiting ranking era 
if they go after the right ones that they believe can fit, those are the types of guys that you can potentially pluck from a, another high level program, but they're not going to win the head to heads every time with the Ohio States of the world. And I don't, I don't know that the Badgers want to get involved with that every time, but I think they do want to get in the scrum every now and then. So it's hard to say how many they could get, but Luke has talked about this. And so of his assistant coaches, Mike Dressel talked about this too. And we talked to him, this, this program is going to continue to be a developmental program. I think sometimes that gets a bad rap. They've been able to develop guys. Like that's one thing I think this staff absolutely can hang its hat on. If you know nothing about them and haven't seen them play, obviously look at what they did at Cincinnati. And I know the name sauce Gardner gets tossed out around a, a lot, but that's because of what they were able to do. A guy, nobody really knew much about at high school ends up becoming a, a top five NFL draft pick. If you can do that kind of stuff at Cincinnati, the thought process is you should be able to do it at Wisconsin. Now the competition is a little bit different and, and obviously the competition for recruiting is, but um, I hope that answers the question. It's, it's hard to put an exact number on it and they should be able to elevate it. But I, I don't think it's realistic to start thinking that Wisconsin is going to be a top 10 recruiting class every year. We'll close with this one from our guy, uh, Vitaly Pasetsky. I believe it's from his from his son. I think his son's name is Dima. Um, if I'm pronouncing that imp- incorrectly, Vitaly, I apologize. Um, if you he's, He asks, if you get a lot of commits, have a lot of players in the position group, does it scare away other recruits and players, specifically with a guy like Jay Harper's commitment, aren't Badgers risking losing on Agard, who's a, a bigger get? Well, I think, we're, I think we both believe that. Amelia Agard is going to commit to Wisconsin. Um, So I don't think in that situation is, but do you think the Vernon Woodward situation played out at all because of that? Uh, It's hard to speculate on the Woodward situation because I haven't had a chance to talk to him or or anyone else. And um, so I don't know on that specifically. Yes, absolutely. It can, but here's what I would say about that. If you're the type of guy, if you're, if you're recruiting somebody and, this is the type of guy who doesn't want to come to Wisconsin because there are a number of guys. I don't think that's the type of guy that Luke Fickle or anybody on the staff would want. And maybe that sounds a little cliche, but like you want somebody who's going to come here and look at it as like, well, I'm going to work my butt off. I'm more talented or as talented than them. And I'm going to become the guy here. That's how you develop a championship type culture. Um, the situation with Agar is, is a little bit different. Like they, that as of now, they've got what one corner with Jay Harper in terms of commitments. Yeah. Um, they need more than one. They're going to get more than one. And Wisconsin obviously in a good spot with Agard. So it goes both ways. Yeah, there are some kids who are probably going to be turned away by it, but I'm not sure those are the kind of guys that you really want. And the ones that you do have a chance to come in and be really special. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, this has been, I think, a very good conversation. Of uh, a ton of information, a ton of new stuff that has happened here in these last couple of days. And uh, we'll see how it plays out. This is not a, this is not a conversation. I think we're going to be able to look back at next week and be like, yeah, this was right. And that was right. And this is right. Maybe not even in six months, but at this time next year, I think we might be able to look back and say, yeah, this makes sense. And this makes sense now more so now than it did back then. Just have to give it time. And I, as I said earlier in the show, I just think it's something that you can't just, look at within the first few months or the first seven months in this case and say, this is how it's going to be. And this is how it is. Um, it's going to continue to evolve consistently and uh, maybe we'll have a, just a better look at it when this time next year rolls around. So Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks Zach. This was fun. All right. There he is. Jesse temple from the athletic. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to the camp.